an honor to be here with this church. Not just because it's Matthew's, my son's church, uh, which is the Lord's church because he's pastoring, but to meet all, all of you from different parts of the world, this is truly an international church. And I just thank God for the privilege of being here. I want to speak today, I want to share with you concerning a godly man that we all should know by now. His name is Abraham. And I would like to read, to begin, chapter 12 of Genesis. And I'm only going to read uh, the first 10 verses, though I will cover the whole chapter. So let's, um, let's look at chapter 12 of Genesis, and it says, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going to toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now, I would uh, venture to say that Abraham, I know I say Abraham here, but we'll just use Abraham for simplicity's sake. Abraham was no different than any of us. Now, that's very important to understand. When I look at this congregation, when I look at uh my brothers and sisters in Christ here. I see that we're no different. He's no different than any of us. He was called out of his family. He was called to leave his family and his culture. He was to go to a land that he never, he didn't know. He just trusted God and had to go where God sent to a land he did not know. Did not recognize. Never been there. And God said to a land that I will show you. And Abraham 
we can see that he was, um, he was called out of idolatry. He was, you know, he was an idolater. If you read uh, on, you'll find, we'll see later that Abraham came from, his father was Terah, and they were idolaters. They were a, he came from a pagan society. But I believe every person that does not know Jesus Christ is committing idolatry. Because if Christ is not your God, then what or who is? Could be your family, could be your culture, could be yourself, could be your money, could be your career. And so Abraham, he also was called to a land that he did not know. He was called out of idolatry. And he was called also to leave his culture as well as his family. He had to leave his family, his culture. Now think about us here. I I'm, I'm, I'm assume no one here is from Abu Dhabi. But everyone here is from somewhere else. You've left your family. You've left your culture. And let's face it, pretty buildings very nice, Abu Dhabi is a modern uh, city, but it doesn't compare to your home. When Christmas comes around, or maybe your father or your brother or your mom or your grandmother's birthday, you'd like to be with them. Probably most of us are here, well, I'm here to visit, but most of us here are here because of financial reasons. If you could have the same job with the same pay in your home, you would leave Abu Dhabi. But you're here because of financial reasons. Some of you are here because of security. Maybe your land isn't as safe. And so you've come here for security. Whatever the reason is, this is not what, where you have grown up. And a lot of times, you do miss your home. You miss your family. You miss your culture. Nothing wrong with that. God made us all different. I think cultures, different cultures, is God's way of showing us how he, he's pleased in all the cultures. What he doesn't like is the sin in the culture, but there is no culture that is better than another culture. Well, Abraham had to leave, but remember when he left, there was no Skype. There was no phones. There was nothing. There wasn't even air-conditioned camels. He had to go in the heat, live in those tents, you know, and that's the way he lived. And never again to see his family. Never. So it's very important to understand that many of us here have this hope of visiting, whether it's Christmas time, summertime, in two years, in three years, I'm going to see my family. But Abraham never again would see his family. So he goes a step further than we go. And so now we see Abraham received a call. And we see here in chapter 12 that Abraham, God's God was not asking him. God was telling him. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now Abraham did not leave because of security. On the contrary, he was secure in his home. He was secure with his family. There was strength in numbers in those days. But over here, many of us, Maybe left our home because it is not so secure, whether it's financial security or safety in general. But Abraham left a secure home. 
left everything to follow a God he never knew. God just called him out of idolatry. So it's very important to understand this. And we see here, first of all, what was his call? Well, first he was called to leave his comfort zone. He was called to leave his comfort zone. You need to understand that when God calls us, he doesn't call us to live in our comfort zone. He calls us out of our comfort zone. That is why even Jesus said to the disciples, go and make to the church, really, the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. But disciples, we say salvation is free, but discipleship costs. And Jesus even said in chapter 14 of Luke, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you and count the cost, calculate the cost, and use the tower as an example. You're going to build a tower, figure out how much it's going to cost first. Don't wait till you're halfway, and then you can't finish, and everybody's going to laugh at you. And, you know, when I tell people about Jesus, when I share about Jesus, I don't make it easy. I don't say, just repeat after me, say this prayer. No, I tell them, if you want to follow Jesus, it will cost you. Because Jesus didn't say, go make converts. He said, go make disciples. And so we see God working in Abraham's life. And we see how he is teaching Abraham each day of his life. Every experience is a learning experience for him. The Abraham we find in chapter 11 and chapter 12 of Genesis is not the same Abraham we find in the rest of of the account of Abraham in Genesis. So it's very important to understand this. He was also called to be a blessing. God did not just save you because he loved you and did not want you to go to hell. God saved you because he wants you to be a blessing to others. Had he just wanted to save you, he would save you and take you home. But he saved you and kept you here for a reason. You are salt. You are light. God says, you are a co-laborer with me. You are my ambassador. I have called you to be a blessing to others. Sometimes we focus too much on ourselves. The music we sing, the way we talk, the books we read. You know, I, I don't know about where you come from, but in the United States, there's more and more books about Christian diet, Christian aerobics. What is this? You know, it's ridiculous. It it becomes just more like um, inspirational or motivational speeches and preachers instead of godly preachers teaching the Word of God. It's becoming more and more so. That's not what God called us. He didn't call you to be rich financially. He didn't call you to be healthy and wealthy. He called you to be light in this world. And you may have to be light with a wheelchair, but you're still going to be light, and you're still going to be salt, and you're going to shine your light for Jesus. That's what God intended for us. And also, he was called to trust God. He left his comfort zone. He had to be a blessing. He had to trust God. Because as you read here, and he says, you know, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Can you imagine this? The word families and nations are the same. Nations came from these families. So we see here that God said to Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So you must have been thinking, how can that be? I don't even have a child. Uh, My my wife is 
is sterile. I mean, she can't have a child. Well, we see here that he trusts God. So our call is always to leave our comfort zone, to be a blessing, and to live a life of constantly, continuously trusting God. And he will put us sometimes in a situation so difficult that there is no other way but to trust in him. And then we see also Abraham's obedience, verses 4 through 6. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Well, that's great. You know, if you just limit yourself to Genesis, say, man, Abraham was a man of God. Look, he just took off and, and he just obeyed God. And he did. And we see here that it was total obedience, complete obedience. So it would seem. Now, he did, but we don't see everything here. But as we look at other parts of Scripture, other sections, we can see that the inspired Word of God teaches us that Abraham, even though he completely obeyed God, his obedience was a delayed obedience. Now, you know, one thing I like about what, Matthew teaches his kids. I'll be honest with you. I, I wish I would have known that. I was thought that when, I w- when he was little, but it didn't work. I, I learned from him. That he says, he tells his kids, do everything right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. Hey, that's good. Right away. Do it now. Not later. I said now. And do it all the way. Be complete and be happy about it. That's the hardest part, I think. But the point is, do it right away, all the way, oops, excuse me, and with a happy heart. Abraham did not do it right away. He did do it all the way, and I don't think it was always a happy heart, but he did do it. Let me show you something. That is interesting. Look with me. In, um, uh, we see here, first of all, let's go to uh, Acts. Remember Stephen? He was stoned to death. He was a godly man, and he spoke the word, and all he did, all he got for being a godly man was stoned. That's what happened to him. And you look at chapter 7. Of Acts. And then, but in his sermon, you know it was an inspired sermon because it's in the Word of God. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through Stephen. And he was full of the Spirit, the Word of God says. So in chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, he's speaking to his brothers and fathers in, in the faith. He says in verse 2, and Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared. Think of that word, appeared. Remember, that's going to help us down the road in this message. Appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. After his father died, it says, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Now, you see, when you go to Genesis chapter 12, and you think, Abraham followed right away. No, many years went until finally his father had to die until he would go and follow God. Now, I wonder about this. You look at chapter 11. Look what it says here. It says here in verse 31. It says, of Genesis 11:31. Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his grandson and Sarai his daughter-in-law his son Abraham's wife and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. 
I mean, Abraham was so hard in this area that God used his lost father to lead him. But when they got to Haran, they stayed there. Abraham only went halfway. He didn't go where God has called him. If you read on, you see here. Look at verse 31. Abraham, Terah took Abram, his son. But why did he take his son? It says in verse 31, And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, a problem happened. They settled there. See, Abram didn't follow God completely at first. He didn't do it right away. He didn't do it all the way. And God had to work in his life. And I'm wondering, we can say, well, Terah died of old age. Really? Or you think maybe God had to remove this man so that Abram would move on. Maybe he didn't want to leave his family. And God told him, according to Stephen, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, in Mesopotamia, before they were even in Haran, God already was speaking to Abram. So how long? Had, we don't know. But it wasn't a matter of days, a matter of years. So it's very important to understand this. God was working in Abram's heart. So we see his obedience in chapter 12 of Genesis. But I don't have time. You know, I would love to give a, bio, uh, a study in the life of Abraham, you know, a good series of 20, 25 sermons. But I don't think I have time. So, you know, but I'm cutting a lot here, you know. But the point is, you do a study in Abraham's life and see how God worked in Abraham's life. I'll just give you a little hint. You know, the, you know, God is always called the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't go on to Joseph and the 12, the, the, our patriarchs, the, the God of the Abraham. We worship the God of the living, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You ever wonder why those three, you ever try to tie in how the whole Holy Trinity is represented the way God works in our lives as a father, as, a, as the Son, Christ, as the Holy Spirit. And you study Abraham's life and see God the Father. And you study Isaac and you see God the Son. And you study Jacob and you see God the Holy Spirit, how he works in their lives. It's very interesting when you connect it. There's a reason why he's the God, holy, holy, holy as well. There's something about the Trinity you find even in the Old Testament. But the point is, I don't want to swerve. Abraham, now we see he worshipped. We see Abraham's worship. Verses 7 and 8. And you notice here, he had a vision of God. Remember I said, think about the word appear. Stephen said, God appeared to Abraham. Our God of glory appeared to Abraham. So when Abraham saw God, he saw a glorious God, according to Stephen. And we see here now, in chapter 12 of Genesis, in verse 7, and eight, Abraham's worship. He's starting to worship God. You see, we don't know when Abraham really came to know God personally. I'm not going to venture to say I know when. I don't know when. But I see now he's not just going somewhere and leaving a home. He is now starting to worship. We say Abraham's worship. We saw his obedience. He had a vision of God. Verse 7, 12, 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this. He didn't have an offspring. He said, To your offspring. So we see now he, he made an altar to God. God appeared to him. And he built two altars. One in verse 7, and then again in verse 8. And Abram journeyed on 
We see here, I'm sorry, in verse 8, I'm sorry. It says, from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Now, you wonder, why are those two places mentioned? That's very interesting. You see a sovereign God working in the life of Abram? Now, we see his worship. He's worshiping God. He's offering, obviously offering a sacrifice. Real worship will cost you. If you don't give God of your life, I always say um, uh, the three T's, you know, your time, your talents, and your treasures. If you don't give God, and you, you know, all of that and say, Lord, my time is yours, what I, my talent is yours, whatever talent you have given me and gifts and my treasures, whatever money, whatever possessions, they're all yours, Lord. And we're willing to put on the altar. That's when you worship. If, you, if you're trying to break God down into a, a little category, Lord, I'll worship you on Friday mornings, you know, but come Sunday when we start working, I'm someone else. You can't be someone else at work and somebody else in church because the same God sees you everywhere. He's in you. He loves you. And you, you grieve the Holy Spirit when you don't worship him. But so you see Abraham is worshiping him. He built altars. Now, you know why Bethel is on one side? And you have Ai. I mean, you think about it. What does Ai mean? It means a heap of ruins. A heap of ruins. A pile of trash. That's what Ai means. Bethel is the house of God. So if you look towards Bethel, you're worshiping God and you put your back to the heap of ruins. When you look to the heap of ruins, to this world, and what you consider is important, you turn your back on God. You cannot look towards Ai and towards Bethel at the same time. There's no way. And there's a reason why Abraham was in the middle. You had to make a choice. Would he follow the heap of ruin? That's what Ai means. Or would he follow God? Bethel means the house of God. So we see Abraham here worshiping God. He called on the name. He didn't, doesn't say verse 7, the first altar he called on the name of the Lord, but the second altar he did. That's where Bethel was. He called on the name of the Lord. That is worshiping. When you call on God. But remember, when you call on him, that's because he called on you first. Remember, God called Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. But now Abraham is calling God. It's beautiful. God took the initiative. And now we're seeing God working in Abraham. And then we see here also Abraham's fall. Now we see his worship. Now we see his fall. You see, Christians do fall. Don't tell me that you don't because I have fallen. And he's picked me back up, but I have fallen. And if you're honest with yourself, you have fallen too. And some here may still be in that fall. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about losing your communion with God. I'm talking about, what I'm talking about is, like when you pray, you ever have those days, the moments in your life you pray, and your prayer doesn't go past the ceiling? You say, is God even hearing me? When you lost that joy, when you received Jesus, you were so happy, you would tell everybody, and now you're living on the ground. Like, you know, you could always live like the eagle. The Bible says he'll give us wings and we can fly like eagles. Or you can live like a chicken, just look at the ground all the time. They both have wings. They're both birds. They both have bird brains, but I'd rather be an eagle than a chicken. Because the chicken ends up in your, in your plate. Uh, uh, an eagle will end up being victorious, living in the cliffs. And that's why the Bible never says you're a chicken. You're an eagle. You're like an eagle. You'll fly like an eagle. 
And how many times you feel, though, like you're a chicken, always looking at the ground, living off the dirt of the ground. You look down. Chickens don't look up. They always look down. God called us to be eagles, to fly like eagles. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes, many times, I have found myself where I lost that joy. I have lost that communion with my God. And I'm just going like on autopilot on my own. And I become mechanic, like a robot, mechanical. Even as a pastor, people say, oh, pastor, what a wonderful sermon. But inside I know God isn't pleased with me. Because I know in my heart, I'm not walking right with him. So we see Abraham's fall. He had two altars. But look what happened here. First of all, verses 9 through 20, and I won't be able to cover all these verses. But we see that in Abraham's fall, he lost focus. He lost focus. His eyes should have always been towards Bethel. Maybe he looked at Ai. And so we, there was nothing there, so he went south. But you see here, he lost focus. Verse 9, and it says in chapter 12, and verse 9 says here, uh, and Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. That's the desert in the south leading towards Egypt. Some versions have with a V, some with a B, Negev or Negev. But the point is, he was going south. God didn't call him to go south. God didn't call him to go to Egypt. God said, go to the land that I will show you. And God wasn't in on this. This was Abraham's doing. And you know, the word of God tells us to be still and know that I am God. He was not still because he still really had to grow in his knowledge of God. And so he went south. He lost focus. You must not lose focus. That's why we must always seek his face. He will guide you with his eye. But if you're looking elsewhere, don't blame him when you mess up. When you find yourself in a difficult situation, chances are you lost focus. I have lost focus many a time in my personal life, in my family life, in my ministry. And God has to always bring me back. And he lacked faith. He lacked faith in his fall. You look at verses 10 through 13. He was looking around. There was a famine. There was no food. It wasn't raining. It was, he was going hungry. He had a lot of people. He had sheep to feed. He had cattle. He lacked faith. Not that he didn't have any faith. He lacked faith. There's a difference. In other words, he, remember when Peter was walking on the water, and he did walk. The only other man to walk on besides Jesus was Peter in chapter 14 of Matthew. But what happened? He looked around. He saw the waves. He saw the wind. He lost focus. His eyes was not on Jesus. His eyes was on his surroundings. And what happened? At that very moment, he started to sink. And if you look at chapter 4, he says, Lord, help me. And right there, the Bible says, Jesus extended his hand and lifted him up. He was so close to Jesus. It doesn't say Jesus walked over to him. He just extended his hand and raised him up. He was so close to Jesus. But instead of looking at Jesus, he looked around. Is anybody here going through this right now? You're losing focus. And when you lose focus, you're already going downhill. You're about to lose your joy. And then we see also he learned from failure. Because you're going to find in verses 14 through 20, he was embarrassed. Even the Pharaoh said, why did you lie? Why did you say she was your, your sister? 
And he started manipulating, and that's why that's where you see he lost faith, because he was manipulating the situation. He was trying to fix things his way. He was trying to put it together, because he lost focus. Now, you know, you, when you go down there, you tell me, you're my sister. You're not my, you, I don't want to die, you know. And you read on, that's what he says. Then he gets there, and then God had to afflict Pharaoh and probably his home. Others suffered because he lost focus because of his fall. Anytime you fall in your spiritual walk, others will hurt. You are not an island. You do not live by yourself. When you lose focus and you fall, others will be hurt. Could be your family, could be your church, could be others, even lost people who do not know Jesus. They will be hurt. This man was hurt, Pharaoh, because of Abraham's lie. And Abraham could have lost his wife. And what would have happened to God's plan and God's promise of blessing him? He didn't think. He lost focus, but he learned from his failure. So you see, you know, you lose focus, you lack faith, but you learn from failure because he goes back up. And then you see here in chapter uh, 12, he's going back up. So finally, even the worldly people didn't want him and threw him out. When you don't live for Jesus, even the worldly people who, know not, who do not know Jesus, they can't stand you. And that's what happened here. You read and see, get out of here. You know, so he got out with his wife. and so, But chapter 13, see, so Abram went up from Egypt. See, he went down. He went up now. He and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the Negev, the very place he was before. He's, going, he's backtracking. He's going back to where he was. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel, see, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. See, he had to go right back because he had to go back from where he had fallen. And sometimes we forget this. You can't just skip. When you do something, you, you, when you're not walking right with Jesus, there has to have been a moment in your life. You made a wrong decision. You lost focus. Something happened. You need to go back. And you need to repent. And like in Revelation, we will see at the end, uh, which is getting close, by the way, at the message. But the point is, um, you're going to see Jesus says to his church, remember from where you have fallen. Abraham had to go back to the very place where he had fallen. And so we see now God's restoration. God is restoring Abram. God is restoring his, his, his I say his son, his, his, his child. He's saying, you know, come back. God never, even in his fall, God never left him alone. Even though you are not walking right, maybe I'm not walking right with God, even though some of us may not, God has not abandoned us. He didn't abandon Abraham. Abraham could have really lost it all, lost his wife, lost everything, lost his life, but he didn't. Now, it's very important here we see this. Now, I want you to look with me in Revelation chapter 2. And this is the, the letter to the church in Ephesus. And you look at what God's, Jesus himself is saying to the church. And he says here, let's go to, let's go to verse 2. I know your works. 2 2 of Revelation. Your toil and your patient endurance. That means perseverance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. 
but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. The church was doctrinally correct. The church was a suffering church. They toiled. They worked hard like a woman in labor having a child. That church was a, a laborious, a, a hardworking church in the name of Jesus. And you look on. And he goes on. But I have tested, oh, oh, says here, I know, verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. I mean, I would love to have a church like this, except there's a little problem. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. In other words, you've left your first love. Some people say they stopped loving Jesus. They abandoned their first love. Others say, well, no, that means the love they have for one another. It doesn't matter because they both go together. You cannot love Jesus and not love your brethren. And you can't love your brethren and not love Jesus. They go together. And here's the point. The Lord is not interested in how much you do. You could be a hardworking member of this church. You could be leading a home Bible study, a discipleship group. You can be a leader. You can be the pastor. It doesn't matter what you do. He's interested. Do you love me? Have you lost focus? Are your eyes on me? Or is it on your surroundings? In other words, are you still in Egypt? Are you, you, know, you may be here in Abu Dhabi, but spiritually, are you in Egypt? Or are you where God wants you to be? And that is the main point here. God is teaching. And you, you look at the Abraham who took so long to follow God. And then when he finally did, he still had to lie because he was afraid of what he saw around him. Yet this is the same Abraham that one day would have to send his, his son Ishmael away because of another thing he did was wrong. But then the same God, the same man who one day without thinking, without reservations, without thinking this and that. No, God said to him, I want you to sacrifice your only son Isaac. And he loved his 15-year-old son. He loved his son. But you read on, and you find out that the very next morning, he got up and took his son to go sacrifice, to the point where he had a knife in his neck when God stopped him. See how God worked in Abraham's life. He started by being a procrastinator, or you could say he, he was afraid. He didn't want to go all the way. And eventually, he was willing to give up his only son. Do you see how God worked in his life? God is working in your life and in my life. Uh, let me say this, okay? This is very important. I'll finish with this. If you're in Egypt, get out now. Go back. Remember from where you have fallen. There's something you did. You say, I'm no, no. Well, pray. If you need to fast, I believe in fasting. You pray. You fast. You ask your God, Lord, where have I wandered? Where has my soul gone astray? Help me to know, Lord. Help me and show me the right way, Lord. Because our hearts are deceitful and wicked. They will deceive us, our hearts. Your worst enemy after Satan is the person in the mirror, your heart. Ask God. Matter of fact, the Bible says only a fool will trust in his own heart in Proverbs. Well, let me just say this. Ask the Lord with all sincerity. Get alone in a closet 
Go in your car, go in the park, go in the, wherever you can be alone. Just get alone with him and ask him, Lord, am I going towards Egypt? Am I already in Egypt? Lord, forgive me. Bring me back to where I had wonderful communion with you, where I had that joy, where you led me and I followed. Lead me back to that place. God bless.